podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Iron Mike back in the house by popular demand, no less. And going a little bit left field today. We figured lots and lots of questions coming in on social media at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok. Uh, so we figured let's do a Nat and Mike mailbag mayhem special. Well, it's what it says on the tin, kids. We will get into as many of your questions as we can over the next hour or so as well, of course, as leading off with the big news that Gronk is hanging up those size 16 cleats once and for all. Maybe not. Let's get down to it. Check in with the brilliant Iron Mike. I can tell you, listeners, those of you who are not watching the video over on our social channels at the NC Show, Iron Mike is not only back in the house, back in business, but is also rolling out the aviator shades. Those aren't aviator shades, but I'm mm. surprised you recognized me. I figured with the glasses on, you wouldn't know who I was. <laughs> and you'd be like, Ollie, who is this guy? Who do we have on? It took me a while. <laughs> a long time since I've seen you, bro. It is good to see you, bud. Uh, if they're not aviators, what are they? They look kind of, they look quite, they look quite maverick. I thought they were a kind of nod to maverick top guy. Yeah, no, they're, those, they're, they're like cool guy, um, cool guy glasses. Cool guy. <laughs> you see, say so yeah, yourself. That, that's the technical term. Yeah. Are you ready, Iron Mike, for Nat and Mike's monster mailbag? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. That is what we're going to be doing today, although... Speaking of monsters. Yeah, well, hey, 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 breaking news. It is something that I think we have been taken by surprise because of Brady coming back and because of that, we thought, well, his partner in crime is definitely going to have one last dance, right? But Gronk retiring, when you heard the news, how shocked were you? Um. Not shocked. In fact, I, I have to confess that my my first reaction was was to go along with the herd, which I usually hate to do because the herd really does isn't always really that well informed and think, well, he'll come back in October. <laughs> so he'll get bored. Brady will call him up and say, you know, Gronk, we need you back. And so, you know, I, I would take it with a slight grain of salt. But but Gronk is not as um what would you call it um uh, durable as he used to be oh no he's never been durable uh, you know he wasn't durable <laughs> coming out of college which is how the patriots got him in round two because he had terrible back back injury problems mm -hmm. um but uh no he's not as dumb as he looks let's put it that way gronk gronk is very shrewd i remember years ago an article about an interview with him where he said he hadn't spent any of his signing bonus money or any of his salary money. He, he goes all on endorsement and commercial money, which mm. struck me as strange at the time, simply that for the first year or so, he probably would have had a tough time getting commercial deals, but he certainly yeah. doesn't need the salary. Um, and I went and looked it up and he's made something like um, $70 million in his mm. career, which isn't that much when you consider 11 years and, and the most, of, it, most of the time had, being yeah. the best or one of the you know two or three best tight ends in the business and certainly key to the the Patriots. Um, you know, what well, on that, because, you know, I guess suffering being a, a tight end ostensibly in this generation of football more than uh, more than that, certainly closer to receivers we're seeing now. 
a, a number of players in the last five years in particular that are ostensibly operating as receivers within the offense, but maybe not getting paid that way. One of the things, if we're talking about the herd that we keep hearing is, and often get here trotted out, he revolutionized the position, X revolutionized the position, and often it's misappropriated. In Gronk's case, do you think that's accurate? Absolutely not. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right. It does get misappropriated all the time because people mistake individual performance for for changes. And what Gronk was in more in most in a very real sense, as they say, was a throwback to the first tight ends. And in my mind, the first tight end is probably Ron Kramer of the Packers. But he was a tackle in college, and and he had some receiving skills. He was, but but he was basically a big guy. The next year is Mike Ditka comes into the league. Gronk is Mike Ditka. Mm-hmm. And, and Ditka was so effective because no one had come up with a way of defending tight ends. There were ends. And one end might be split. The other end might be tight. They might both be split, but that didn't happen. There would be a flanker who was more or less a halfback. And so the, the, the receiver who wasn't split was not covered by a corner. He was generally covered by safety. And these bigger guys just overpowered safeties. There, there was no way for them to defend. So Mike Ditka and John Mackey, um, Jackie Smith was in that group um, in, this, in the 60s. Pete Retzlaff, who was a converted wide receiver, um, you know, was also there and had a couple of really big seasons. And what happened was obviously defense's realigned to that, but you still had anomalies, players who went along, the most obvious being Kellen Winslow, Mm -hmm. um, because he was quick enough to be used as a wide receiver or in wide receiver patterns by Don Coryell. And then, of course, you've got Tony Gonzalez and all. But but Gronk was in the set was was the next Ditka because teams had adjusted to playing tight ends. But the Patriots knew what they had and they schemed their offense for mismatches. In other words, we'll run Gronk split, we'll run him in the slot, we'll run him at tight end, we'll run a formation around him. So they have to put someone on him that can't cover him, just like Ditka. And a safety was too small because he's 6'6", 265. A linebacker couldn't keep up because he could run and he had wide receiver skills, mm. pass catching. And that's that's what made him so great. And, and you know, good teams, good teams build good teams build their teams to the scheme that they want to run. They, they, they draft and sign players who fit their scheme and good teams scheme to adjust to the players they have. They don't try to run a scheme. Their players get the great teams do both, uh, you know, and not many teams can do that, but that's kind of what the Patriots did. And of course, when they had Gronk and Randy Moss, which, which was his first big year in, in 2011, mm. Um, how do you how do you defense that? You know, how do you match up with those guys? And they weren't the only threats on the team, but but that's two huge matchup nightmares for defensive coordinators. And you know, I was looking. He went to five. He was five times first team All Pro, which mm-hmm. I look at most of the time. Oh, what did your contemporaries think of you? You know, um, I saw somebody had. Um, uh, Jason Witten is the like third best tight end of all time. Well, he's twice he was all pro. So that mm-hmm. means in two years, he was the best in the league. He was a, a pro bowler 11 times, which says something in itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're talking about the best, you have to be the best in the league for a specific, a bit of time. And, and Gronk went to seven, pro, six, pro, five pro bowls. So let's get that down <laughs> between 11 and 17. All right. So in the space of eight years, but in that space of eight years, two of them, he only played half a season. 
Mm. And in each of those half seasons, if you prorate his yardage for the eight, the, he started, I think, eight games or played eight games, started six or seven and seven. You go over a thousand yards in those. So basically mm. he had an eight year stretch of dominance when he was healthy. You know, on legacy and, and a Hall of Fame in particular, it was occurring to me, particularly with Gronk, when that is getting evaluated outside of the performances, the numbers, the stats, the uh, additional elements that get included, rings obviously seem to be a factor in that. How much do you think personality has a bearing? And when you're a player as effective as Gronk, who's also simultaneously a personality is, uh, <laughs> yeah. as, as big as Gronk, how much does that play into Hall of Fame reckoning? Um it can it can a bit negatively as well as positively. Sure, um, there are big personalities who offend sports writers, um, who who are the the bulk of the judging staff. Um, I, I I always say that to me Gronk Brady loves Gronk because Gronk is what Brady would love to be if he didn't have to control every single thing in life, <laughs> you know, and, and Gronk doesn't, doesn't seem to feel that need to control things. He's, he's a let, but Brady had a good quote about Gronk, which said that he was both focused and fun. Mm-hmm. So the Gronk's incredibly fun to be around, you know, and all the time, but when it comes down to when you have to be focused, he's also yeah. incredibly focused and, right. you know, you, He's very hard to stop. Uh, he's always where he's supposed to be. He understood his role in the offense. He understood the the offense. And, you know, I, I just think any guy who can, quote unquote, survive the B.B. Jones uh, scandal gets into my, my Hall of Fame um, immediately. And the interesting thing when you're looking at tight ends, too, because I've done this a couple of times over the years, and I think I'm going to do another one for Gridiron. I think that's on oh, our nice. plans for this season to talk about the evolving position. Hmm. There aren't many tight ends who have long peaks. I mentioned about about Gronk, two injured years at his peak. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelsey, so Gonz- Gonzalez. Kelsey's, yeah, yeah, Kelsey's only played eight years, but he's had six straight really good years, um, which already puts him ahead of a lot of the classic tight ends. Um, mm. You know, Kellen Winslow's peak was relatively short. Gates, Antonio Gates. Uh, Gates, his peak was short. He had a long career, mm. but, you know, I think, if I remember right, three first team all pros, eight second. To, so so that that makes Tony Gonzalez an anomaly, um, you right. know, with 14 Pro Bowls, you know. So when you when someone says is Gronk the greatest tight end ever, I say his prototype is the greatest prototype ever. Mm. You know, neither Kellen Winslow nor Gonzalez, who are the two guys who I think would rate above him, um, could block the way he does. Mm. So if you were going to have a tight end, you would want Gronk in terms of how the career panned out because of the injuries and all, I think you can justify not having him as the number one guy. Maybe he passes Winslow as the number two, but, but what Gonzalez did was so off the charts in terms of the whole, the whole career of great tight ends that, you know, it's hard not to put him number one. The other interesting thing though, Tony Gonzalez averaged exactly 11 yards per catch for his career mm-hmm. and Gronk averaged exactly 15. Wow. That's a huge difference. Big jump. That is a massive difference. One more on this before we get into the monster mailbag. You mentioned uh, back in October, as you rightly say, everybody's saying, oh, he'll be. How realistic is that, particularly his age? 
what Gronk is likely to get up to in the next four or five, four or five months. Well, yeah. How realistic is it to come back think, into the NFL? I think you put your finger on it right there. The question is, does he get bored? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, become October. Does he think, well, I still feel fit enough to do this. Um, he got, he only played 12 games last year, but he played a full season the year before they sat him, I think in the last game of the season. But mm. um, so, you know, it, it may be, he's going to be in shape, you know, that, although, being in shape and being in game shape is not quite two different things. Yeah. And uh, uh, do we know that for sure as well? I mean, four four months in Reno, Mike. I think it could be. Uh, <laughs> also, you, you yeah. alluded to something with his signing bonus, as you as you rightly say, number of players that go out and buy a Hummer, and he was smart about it. it reminded yeah, me, he, I, didn't, didn't OBJ negotiate his Rams deal in Bitcoin? Which <laughs> he has had a not, terrible. Not necessarily, rate. not necessarily the best move at the time. Uh, yeah. Maybe he bought the Bitcoin from Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, I say in that same quote about Gronk, that same interview, he also said, I don't have expensive cars, jewelry or tattoos. And I'm mm. I'm looking at him thinking, how expensive can a tattoo be? <laughs> I mean, you know, these guys have $70,000 cars and $100,000 chains and stuff mm. like that. But how expensive can a tattoo be? I he may listen, have to give them more respect. You know, listeners, on that basis, uh, that is another reason why Gronk is diametrically opposed to Iron Mike because Mike has very expensive ink. <laughs> He's got flashy right. cars. That's right. Actually, you know, really my stuff. version of ink is is mm. a is a Three Stooges t-shirt. You are wearing a Three Stooges t-shirt, which is a beautiful... The many, uh, the many faces of a knucklehead. And as <laughs> as Hamlet as Hamlet said, mm. all the world's a stooge and we but poor players. Pretty sure that's not the, the precise quote, but I'll, yeah, I'll go no. look it up again. Just you know, sure. I'd love to see Gronk do commentary. I just saw that um, Fitz... More likely to do that as opposed to double, something like WWE. I don't, know. I, don't know if he, I don't know if he would want to sit under the constraints. He might well, but, you know, but I just I saw wonder, that... That's a really interesting point that I wonder with, you know, the Manning, ESPN gig and the way things are evolving, whether there might be um, realistically a better a spot for Gronk. That would that, that's years. a good put. That's the good. That would be a great kind of um, gig for him, and he and the Mannings would be a tremendous combination. Ooh, you know, invite, ESPN, yeah, they, but they could do the Gronks. You know, they've yeah. already done TV with him and his his two brothers. But yeah, I probably. saw that Prime have hired Fitz. Um, oh, have they? And, I didn't see that. Right. And um, Richard Sherman. Yeah, which is smart. another good that sounds to me like a good combination and certainly better than Kirk Herbstreit. Um, oh, what's in, Kirk ever done to you? I might come nothing, on. nothing, but I just don't see. I mean, he can't, as I <laughs> say to one of, my, anyway. one of my good friends, and as I say to a couple of other people in the business, he can't do everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is fair, right? Uh, let's get down to it, Ross. Uh, first up, thanks, Ross. At the NC show, uh, you got in touch with us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, still no TikTok, um, uh, but we're working on that. I might, we're working on that. There are a lot of love. Actually, fine. Oh, I'd love to start doing Tic Tac. Yeah, I mean that's that's. Talk, Mike, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, you and Belichick. We are. We're working on that for the season, gang. I promise you. Right, Ross. First up, as a Washington fan, my commiserations, Ross. I feel <laughs> optimistic and can see a path to success. Then I realize I feel like this every year. <laughs> it's Ashburn syndrome, and it's a terrible affliction. Ooh. Now I had to look up Ash, Ashburn syndrome. Which, firstly, I was looking at the. Um, yeah, it's got nothing to do with Richie Ashburn, who was the center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies in the 1950s. It's nothing to do. That's a deep dive. Well, I was looking up the syndrome power rankings. Uh, it's uh, below Snyder syndrome. It's a phrase coined by J.P. Finlay and the Washington Talk podcast crew. And uh, it defines a Washington fan who overvalues a player 
or coach because they've been programmed to compare it <laughs> to a history of low standards set in play yeah. by Washington. Every year, every year, as Ross said, every year. Now, the, yeah, where it comes from is um, Ashburn, Virginia is where the Washington commies train um, now. And I think uh, it's in the area where Dan wants to buy, you know, wants to uh, get land and have Virginia build a new stadium for him, mm. which is why he fined Jack Del Rio a hundred thousand pounds, a hundred thousand dollars um, for his, his quotes about the uh, insurrection trial. Um, Your first name terms with Snyder now, apparently. Yeah. Me and the Dan. Yeah. I mean, God, I, the list of stuff, <laughs> go Google it. You know, there's, there's a, the Washington, whatever it's called, the uh, weekly paper, the weekly, uh, underground paper did a thing on all of Dan Snyder's misdemeanors and crimes and things like that. It, it's an insane list, but um, and you get the owners who deserve in the NFC East, which if I can put in a plug in the current Friday morning tight end column, patreon.com, Mike Carlson, FMTE is the, is an NFC East preview. And I, I go into these teams and the legacies of their owners, you know, because you got Jerry Jones, um, you've got Dan Snyder, <laughs> um, John Mara, the world's ultimate grumpy old man. Um, you know, John, they call me Mr. Mara. Um, <laughs> and, and Philadelphia, by comparison, <laughs> is very is very low key. So right. um, but anyway, um, because Ashburn is where they train, you know, that that's where everybody says, that's oh, they're going to be really good. They're going to be really good. And then, then the and season, then the season starts. starts. <laughs> yeah. sure. I'm not well, sure in in that. Con- that's going to be an interesting, if not great division. Vision. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how good that they're going to be. Um, I thought I thought they uh, their draft was was not necessarily that great. Um, Dotson will probably play really well right off the bat. But, See, but if he does that, that's intriguing, right? Because with Scary Terry and Samuel, if Dotson does hit it's the a good group running, of receivers, but remember it's Carson Wentz who has to, mm. you know, you've got a division basically where three teams are set at quarterback, but all three quarterbacks are basically are indifferent. Unproven. Yeah. 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 And, and Wentz is now in the unproven category to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that's, you know, that's going to be their main, um, Difficulty. And one of the interesting things is, is how they um, they and the Cowboys drafts went parallel. You know, they both took tight ends in the fourth round. Um, they both took nose tackles in the fifth round. And I'm not sure either actually needs or knows how to use a big nose tackle. And then in the, the sixth, fifth and sixth rounds, they took linebackers. Um, in both rounds. And the interesting thing from Washington's point of view is that they lost an undrafted linebacker to Dallas, a guy called uh, Aaron Hansford from Texas A&M, who I thought was better than the guys, um, the guys that they, uh, that Dallas tra- right. drafted. Although I, I like um, Washington's drafted linebackers better. Um, Just on, on the offense, because we haven't even talked about Gibson yet as well, where a fumble's obviously an issue for him, but he's a, a, a strong runner and, and, and should have another strong season. The line protecting Wentz, the offensive line, where does that shape up? Because if that is on point, surely this is going to be one of the the stronger offenses in the division. Um, yeah, that's a that's a huge if, though. Um, you know, given 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 where where they stand, and and they didn't really they didn't really address it um, where I thought they actually might. You know, because mm. they they had the chance to um, um, to get Charles Cross. Uh, 
you know, in the, in with the ninth pick before they traded down to uh, to get Dotson. I, and I actually thought they were going to do that. Mm. I, I, they've tried they've tried to solidify it, which will help uh, because Wentz needs a good offensive line, um, and they've also drafted a. I think Brian Robinson's a good fit for them because he's a big, powerful runner, um, yeah. and they can they can rotate through with Gibson and and if Gibson presumably is is being sent up the middle less, he's he may fumble less, um, you know. And I, I think he's a talented enough guy so that the fumbles aren't a aren't a huge thing um, for him. But I, I, I'm not I'm not convinced, and and I also think the whole Jack Del Rio thing. In itself, I agree. Jack can say what he wants. You know, if if he wants to say stupid things and the players don't like it, that's fine. That's his cross to bear. Um, you know, if um, he's still got freedom of speech. Um, so, you know, just he has to deal with that. But I think it speaks to the indiscipline of the, of this team. And, you know, they, they took another Alabama defensive lineman second round they've got all these first round guys and they're preparing for the future, you know, where, where they're obviously going to lose one of them because um, they can't afford to pay him, but they lost the Anides, who was probably their best guy. Well, second best guy and their best guy the year before, you know, as a, as a mid round draft pick, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they assemble lots of talent and then they, they really get stuck as to how to use it there. Um, mm-hmm. They also have to Logan. I don't know if Logan Thomas comes back right away. Um, from ACL, but uh, he's obviously an, an integral part of their of their offense. So, mm. you know, I, I think I think the division right now is split into two groups: uh, one group of two and one group of two. And mm. you know, I could be wrong, but I see uh, Dallas being chased by Philly more than Dallas and Philly more than the other two. Well, let's stay on Dallas because the Light Knight uh, has uh, asked a question <laughs> about his Cowboys having lost two starters in Amari Cooper and Nail Collins due to budget cuts suggests the light night. And of course they spent a lot of dollar on Dak and a lot on Zeke. Uh, is there any reason for the cat for a Cowboys fan to be optimistic? I guess you've just kind of half answered that saying they're going to be in contention. Yeah, I, I think, I think there are, you know, you have to make them favorites for the division, which the bookies have done. I think the, the over under on wins for them is 10 and a half, which is probably about right. But 11 mm. is not unreasonable. Yeah, for that. Um, I don't think those losses are huge. Um, now, they didn't draft. The draft was a Jerry Jones draft, right? Tyler Smith could well be their starting guard this year and then move out to tackle when Tyson Smith retires. And mm-hmm. You don't have to change the uniform. <laughs> um, but um, you don't think so, Cooper? Cooper's loss is is less serious to me. Um, they got Michael Gallup. Yeah, they got they love Gallup. Yeah. Um, I really like Jalen Tol- Tolbert, the third round pick, um, wide receiver. Although he may take a little time to develop, it's not as easy. It's easier now than it was ten years ago for a receiver sure. to to come in and play right away. They signed James Washington from the Steelers, who I've always thought was an underrate, well, underachieving guy. He never played the way. I thought he would play um, Mm -hmm. with the Steelers. It could be in a different kind of offense. He blossoms. That would be the one thing um, to keep up. And they've got a bunch of big receivers, late draft picks and undrafted guys from the last couple of years um, of whom one might pan out. I think Fahoko, the kid from Stanford that they drafted is pretty good. And um, there's a guy called Brandon Smith, 
who was pretty good as well. Could, then, could uplift. But, but Cooper was yeah. a, a comfort blanket for that. Oh, I mean, it's a very good safety reassurance. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he wasn't. I mean, in, in a lot of games, he checked out. You know, where, where was he when they were in the playoff game? Up, you know, the 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 kind of assumption from a lot of guys is he doesn't like playing in cold weather, mm-hmm. and, and that. But that seems to play itself out sometimes. You know, and mm. um, and going to Cleveland makes no sense. Yeah, at all. <laughs> he's going to love. He's going to love that's that. True. Um, but you see the you Sean know, Payton buzz that's been rumbling again, and obviously Jerry kind of. Th- through some well, petrol on that one. Yeah, Jerry would, because that's one of the biggest problems with Dallas is that Jerry refuses to have a coach who's going to take the spotlight off of Jerry, right. which is why Mike McCarthy's the head coach mm. instead of a Sean Payton type. No, but he, uh, Jerry was inviting the idea, which I think was... Yeah, un- I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, because of know, that reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Kellen Moore is to me still not the next young golden boy as an offensive coordinator, whether that, you know, but, um, you know, but he could come along. Um, and Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn Would is, is say still running Seattle's defense, but they've got him some players. Mm. I mean, they've got, a, they've got a good defense there. I mean, Micah Parsons is, I don't know, one of the five best football players in the NFL, you know, I mean, he just he's he's insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they had it was a typical Jerry draft with a lot of guys who need development. Sam Williams is he's got a ton of talent, but he hasn't shown it. And a lot of that might be because when you're playing at Mississippi and you're often getting beaten badly by Alabama or, you know, Texas, Texas A&M or whoever, um, it, it doesn't show. But, you know, he could turn he, – he's like their replacement for Randy Gregory or something. And I okay. think he'll be better than that. They they have a bunch of undrafted guys. I mentioned Hansford, um, who I thought were worth draft picks. You know, um, a kid called Bell from Florida A&M who's a big safety. Um, you know, and they'll, they'll take time to – to develop, but but I like that that that's depth basically. Do you like um, Jerry Jones as a GM then? Because you're picking out a lot of players that are undrafted free agents, low round draft picks. He's too great. smart for his own good. I, he I, he's he's one of those guys. They they've done a great job over the years. You know, Tony Romo was undrafted. You know, right. of picking up guy bargain guys. They haven't done such a great job at the top of the draft. And remember when they took um um the kid from from Wisconsin who played center and. Um, for the, for six years, um, when they took him, Jerry had to be persuaded not to take Paxton Lynch. They yes. talked him into that. It was like the 29th pick of the draft or something like that. Paxton. And this was a road ready center who came in, you know, and started and, 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 um, was the, the core of that line that, that Zeke ran behind, you know, and, mm. you know, Travis if, Frederick, you're thinking of Travis Frederick. Thank you. And, and, you know, he and Zach Martin were the core of that line in the early days and Tyson's mm-hmm. Tyson Smith. If they could teach Tony Pollard how to block pass block, mm. he would start, I think over Zach, uh, over Zeke, Zeke. Elliott. Well, that, I think, yeah, I think I'm he's now the better, the better runner. Better option. Yeah. Well, on that, on Pollard, PFF were uh, pointing out that he's uh, in the top three running backs in the NFL for yards after contact, Pollard. Yeah. And they do a good job of getting him the ball in space, um, mm. which, which helps, you know, um, but that's what he's good at. And I'm not putting down Zeke Elliott, who's still, I think, a, a good weapon. And like I said, he's a, a much better pass blocker. You see him mm. sometimes, you know, saving Dax, Dax butt in there. But, you know, I, mm. I, I don't see them losing that division. Um, but I think they're they're like a flashy they're they're like a flashy car that can't that can't 
take the last lap of the long race, you know? Um, and, <laughs> sure. I, and I think that's, that's Jerry Jones, basically. One Next more question. And, one more one well, NFC North. East for you. I'm just going to roll in just before we move off the NFC East. Yeah, we're on a roll. Stick, stick with running back. Saquon, uh, do you think he's done, Saquon Barkley? Do you think we might see uh, a reboot? He sure early looked, he showed up at camp and looked fat. Um, he's been hanging with Gronk and Reno. Is he done? That, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, because, God, they they I thought the Giants did, did a great job. Um, and, and Brian Dable... Um, he may not quite fit what, what Brian Dayball wants to do, um, but Why he's not? certainly worth using um, because Dayball wants wants guys who are quick to the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, undrafted guy. Uh, they didn't they didn't go into running backs, but um, this guy, Jashawn Corbin from Florida State, is that kind of a runner. Um, and, you know, she, you look up in Buffalo at what they had. And and that's why they took Wandale Robinson ahead of some other quote unquote slot receivers in round two of the draft because Robinson's a runner. Um, they'll run him the way Isaiah McKenzie plays um, in, in Buffalo. Um, I, I thought, you know, I thought the giants, they did everything right. Um, Thibodeau, although he got hurt in camp, but you know, maybe not the most, the best rusher, but certainly the best talent of the, of the rushers. Um, and again, I think the Oregon situation, he, he just didn't have, when they say he doesn't try every play, I, th- I think that's more of a game situation. Yeah. I thought Neil was arguably the best player in the draft or the most NFL ready player in the draft. So he moves into the starting lineup, you know, r- right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they took um, what, Zudu, uh from North Carolina who may well, um, you know, be able to start, but doesn't have to. Um, so I like thumbs up that. from the, from the, I'm yeah, on the yeah I think, I think you can be optimistic with the giants that they're headed in the right direction. Um, I doubt that they make the big impact this year because I think it's, it's a team in transition. Um, but um, I re- <laughs> and I really like that they got two linebackers, you know, cause they need it for the, for the defense they're going to run. And um McFadden, I liked a lot, but but Darian Beavers in the sixth round, I think maybe one of the steals of the draft. Um, he's a guy who played for UConn, so I saw him a bit. Um, even though it's a pain, it's the play. No, it's a, it's torture to watch UConn play, <laughs> play football. But then he transferred to Cincinnati when they and had the things. Look it up, kid. You just yeah. love players called Beavers. I know that, Mike. Hey, listen, uh, we want to shout out get well soon to Tony Torrance. Stop. Te- uh, well, that's that kind of mailbag. Uh, not technically a question, but he's oh, is, that the, is that Tony's the guy that uh, Greg Robinson put the hit on, right? Uh, Greg Rosenthal put the hit on. Yes, indeed. So Tony, long time listener. Cousin Greg, yeah. Cousin Greg, long time listener of the show, Tony. He said on Tuesday last week, I listened to the brilliant pod with Greg Rosenthal. I loved it as I cycled uh, over 16 miles from Inverness to Nairn. It was fantastic. But sadly, later that day, I broke my elbow, avoiding a pedestrian. So, uh, Tony, unlucky. Uh, get well soon, bud. Um, there's no nothing in Mike's suggestion that that was a hit from. Oh Greg no, Rosenthal. I thought the pedestrian was listening to Greg. <laughs> no, no, it was Tony on the bike. Uh, get well soon. It got me thinking as well. So he was cycling and listening to the show. A uh, beautiful ride from Inverness to Nan, and I thought 
we've got to be thinking what people listen to the show, right? All over the yeah. place, all over the place. I looked into the, the you're, you're the king of the Highlands now. Okay, there we go. I'm big in big in the Highlands, but I was looking into where the downloads are coming from, Iron Mike. Uh, Cuba, shout out to whoever's <laughs> oh, listening to us in Cuba. Shout out to you there. Finland. Mike, I know you're big in Finland, and that maybe explains why yeah. we get a lot of extra downloads from them when you're on the show. So big in Finland, but yeah, That's all true. around they, the world. they listen to me in the sauna. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, instead that's of beating a, themselves with birch branches. That's, a, that's an image I want to get out of my mind immediately. Uh, quite frankly, I'm going to move back to the mailbag. I uh, could tell you, no, I won't. No, please don't. <laughs> Let's get back uh, to the mailbag. A wise choice. Let's do that. Cut. Uh, hey, cut. Which teams might surprise us this season? Do you have any underdog picks? Yeah, you know, it's funny because if I were making underdog picks, they were teams that aren't usually looked at as underdogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but my underdog pick this year would be the Steelers. Mm, interesting. Um, cool. And the Steelers made the playoffs last year, you know, but just barely and and probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but there are a whole new team now with Ben Ben retired. You know, Brian Flores is there to help out. Um, on that. the defense, they've added some offensive weapons. Um, I, I love any team that drafts Ironhead Haywood's son, <laughs> who, who, who's listed as a tight end, but I wouldn't be surprised if he played fullback alongside of Derek Watt. Um, obviously, they have to resolve the quarterback situation. And, you know, before pads have gone on, Mitch Trubisky has been fine for them and Pickett is coming along. And um, I know a lot of people like George Pickens, the receiver, a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So Pickett to Pickens would be um, the pick (laughs) of the week, you know, Um, because that is speaking of decent receiving calls. I mean, if Pickens steps up. They've got Claypool Johnson. I mean, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Miles Boykin, you know, who never really produced in Baltimore. But, you know, you always like if you can get a good guy from your division, it's it's and and um, they signed Gunnar Olszewski from the Patriots. But then they drafted Calvin Austin, who's, you know, this little guy from Memphis who's got incredible quicks and he'll probably do the kick returning. So I don't I don't even know if Gunner makes the team, although Gunner, everyone loves. But then, in, you know, Rufus, Rufus, by the sound of it, is a big guy. That's fan. the neighbor's dog. Oh, it's not, oh OK. Well, yeah. He's neighbor's dog. What's the name yeah, of the Rufus neighbor's dog? Rufus is here at my feet. And, and well, he's being remarkably keeping strong, yeah. What's the what's the neighbor's dog called? Uh, Nala. Nala. Nala, big fan Nala's, of Gunnar Olszewski. Yeah, Nala's very um, skittish and barks a lot. Um, but the Steelers also, you know, they they signed um, they signed uh, Mason Cole and James Daniels for the offensive line, right? And then on defense, they went oh, berserk. I mean, you know, um, Larry Ogunjobi mm-hmm. from Cincinnati, which again within the division, you like getting good players. Miles Jack um, yeah, is going to be playing Jack. inside with Devin Bush, um, yeah. Levi Wallace, a really good cornerback. Um, from Buffalo, Kazee, you know, the old Falcons corner who moved to safety under Dan, Dan Quinn and, and, but Dallas let him go, I think for, and, and again, I I love looking at undrafted guys, but Chris Steele, who was undrafted from USC probably um, goes into the rotation there. I think before the end of the year, I Mm. I almost guarantee he makes the team and um, they have, they, took a kid called Tyree Johnson from A&M who's probably too small uh, or not strong enough, but he's a pass rusher. He would be a, a um, designated pass rusher from outside linebacker. Not that they really need one with TJ Watt and Highsmith and Tuska and guys like that. But, you know, I, I just think it's a solid team that they've really made more solid. And, and when you give Mike Tomlin the horses, 
he knows what to do with them. Now, it's a tough division. Um, Baltimore with with um, Lamar back should be better, should be better. And they've had a good offseason. Um, Bulls will be good again. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure the Browns with all the kind of turmoil. Um, yeah, we're going to hold you know. your thoughts on them because we'll come back to the Browns in a minute. Okay. Yeah, so th- that is a really interesting argument. And uh, uh, and as I hear it, I am I'm buying into that. I mean, as you say, defensively, and you mentioned the Flores signing, that's a genius move. Yeah. And Trubisky could be one of those players, kind of like Wentz, where everybody thinks he's done, written off, maybe a career backup in that 27 to 32 hinterland. But hey, this could be the yeah. making of it. You know, he took... He he was he had a winning record, you know, and and went to play with the Bears. And and in retrospect, those were not very good Bear teams, mm. you know. Offensively, it, certainly, yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you said, can they go nine and eight again this year with Trubisky instead of Ben? I would say, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, arguably an upgrade and kind of latter season, final season, Ben. Uh, I am going to stick with the Saints on that. I, I called them, and they, cousin Greg also went. That's a, good, it's a so. good call too. Yeah, I mean, I um. I really, I'm really big on Jameis this season. Based on what we saw last year, and I know the the obvious absence of Peyton could be significant here, but he showed that composure and maturity that surprised, but although I say surprised, the fact he took the gig in the first place, Mike, the fact he took the gig for like a million and change, was prepared to sit there as the backup, I think demonstrated his commitment and, and his maturity, professionally speaking. And, and so in a way, it's no surprise that we've seen him evolve as a player in that respect. Definitely, when I look at the early era, Jameis to latter era, definitely, if I look at my life, closer to 24 to 32, Nat, as opposed to 16 to 24, Nat. Uh, when, yeah. uh, and, but Jameis didn't presumably dye his hair blue, which I, <laughs> which I once, <laughs> once did and was suspended from school for. Yeah. Um, so I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going Saints there. Hey, Kurt's doubled down, though. I, um, I, has he? I agree, I agree with you. And, I, and, you know, I mean, the question is, they've got one hole in the offensive line, which James Hurst was signed to plug. He's not great, but he's passable. And then they drafted Penning, who, you know, I think will probably develop into a good one. Olav and yeah. um, Jarvis Landry. Yeah. All of a sudden they've got, you know, if Michael Thomas is back after two years off, you know, and, and healthy, that that's a tough, that's a tough top three to, yeah. to defend. And and I agree with you about James. He showed a lot last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think I, I think that without Peyton, he will still be OK. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's such a system in there that, that they'll be able to they'll be able to um, keep, him, uh, to keep, keep his progression. Him and you got Kamara as well. You've got to be in. Yeah. If you're talking about Parsons as top five players in the NFL, Kamara for me would be top five offensive players that can make something happen when nothing's on. Right. So oh, even yeah. if, even yeah. if Jameis is, is, uh, yeah. And of course they got, you know, Matthew and Marcus may to play yeah. safety now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I love that too. They always see, I don't know how they do That's it. More you know, but, um, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, how, they, how they manage to bring in players all the time. Kurt doubles down, uh, with his questions that I like. Oh. So we're going to give him a, give him a chance to double down. Two for one. Two for one. Uh, Ken Baker, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Take the Panthers to a yeah. deep playoff run. Now, deep, no. deep is ambitious. Question is no. Uh, answer is no. <laughs> okay. um, longer answer. I don't think he plays for the Panthers. Um, I think this is just agents making 
you know, oh, we're close to a deal. It doesn't quite make to me. It doesn't quite make sense mm-hmm. unless unless, you know, because of his time in in um, in the Big 12 or whatever. Matt Rule is in love with Baker, you know, and, and thinks Baker would make make a team. They would have to. I can't see them keeping both guys. It may, that to me makes no sense. And I maybe Cleveland would want Sam Darnold as an emergency position, at, you know, uh, ahead of Jacoby Brissett. I don't yeah. know. Um, but I, I think Baker, the most intriguing idea to me is Baker being traded for Jimmy G to the Niners, um, which would <laughs> right. solve both teams' problems um, and save uh, San Francisco. Uh, six million. That's what I could say. Where does Jimmy G go? Jimmy G goes to the to Browns, and then he oh, starts, just flip him. Okay, he starts in case until uh, in case Watson. Well, well yeah, not in that. case when um, when uh, or for when, as long when as Deshaun gets suspended. So Richard uh, asks, uh, and you alluded to the Browns earlier. So let's go there next. Richard, okay. what, what's more likely? Which is more likely? Watson, Deshaun Watson's career doesn't ever get going again, or he leads the Browns to win the Super Bowl, and everything gets forgotten. Well, the, the the first second option is not on the table. I don't think even if he plays the whole season, um, that would be a long shot. Well, um, maybe not so much this season, but yeah. Well, maybe in the future, season. yeah. Um, if he doesn't play this year, which I think is the most likely solution situation at all scenario this at all sixteen game suspension. Um, now, I mean, Rusty Rusty Harden might come in and argue for Deshaun that you know presumption of innocence and all that, but of course we know that doesn't play in the court of Goodell. Um, it's just it's just the perception and public perception. And the more that we learn about it, the worse public perception gets. Um, right. The criminal, the whole business with the criminal charges seems how he dodged them seems really lucky to me. I mean, Harden is a is a high profile lawyer and he obviously uh I don't know. Game the system. Uh, shined, shined the DAs in the, you know, in, in three of those four cases and the other, the other jurisdiction just went along with the other ruling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, um, the buildup of testimony and the additional cases and, and, and the complicity now um, of at least some people, if not the Texans organization, but, you know, he was, he was um, handed a non-disclosure agreement to give to the masseuses by the head of security of the Texans who also gave him a place to have the massages privately Mm -hmm. um, on, on their own. And um, Mike, I was thinking of the, the, there's an, there's a parallel here, of course, with Michael Vick and, uh, in the sense that he mm-hmm. his career um, was obviously disrupted by off-field transgressions right. and was able to come back and play to, uh, if not an identical, then a, a similar level to after a number of years. So I was thinking how long in, in the modern NFL, as in the, the current NFL, can a quarterback be out before it become, before it's too long? How long can he be out of the game before it's too long? I don't know. Um, when Tony Romo signs with the Seahawks, let's ask him. Um, <laughs> the, 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 um, Drew Brees, surely. Vic came back and played pretty well um, yeah. and was fortunate, I think, that Andy Reid, you know, to be coached by Andy Reid at that point, um, who had a very good idea of what, how he should be used or what, what, what they could do with him. Right. Um, with Deshaun, he's already missed a full season. Mm-hmm. If he misses this one, that would be two and two in a row. Um, I, I, I could see him coming back and, and doing reasonably well in Cleveland, but, but Cleveland has to have a, a backup plan, which is why a one year deal to somebody 
would make would make sense. would make good sense. Although you know the teams are going to wait because there's a bunch of teams. Seattle is. I'm not joking. Seattle needs a quarterback if they think mm. they're going to go through the season with Drew Lock. Hey, um, we've talked about this before. On I know show. he's. I know he's still. I know he's your lock of the week. Um, but they need to know, fix that. So um, that. Yeah, that makes sense. They're going to wait. Team, team, teams are going to wait and and until it's like a game of chicken. You know, is Cleveland going to pay Baker not to play because he ain't going to play for them? You know, it, it is is Jimmy G the same thing? I mean, I, the word out of camp mm. is that is that Trey Lance has played really well, but I put zero faith in the word from non-contact practice. Mm. You know, not that I have anything. I think Trey Lance is a great talent, you know, um, Mm. but there was a jump for him to make um, coming from North from um, North Dakota State. And he's got to make it under under game conditions. Um, Mm. So, you know, yeah, it's great that he's hitting all the passes now, but lots of guys are doing Mm. that. You know, it's like so he's basically doing a Washington is what you're. (laughs) Well, you know, I I love reading these reports where people say, oh, so and so didn't look very good, you know, and then you look at the guy and well, the guys, the guys are 320 pound defensive lineman who's drafted because he's big and strong and can hold guys up at the line of scrimmage and push them around. And if you're not doing contact drills, you're not seeing what his skill is. So, you know, these guys are right. Oh, he didn't look very quick. You know, he, he, was, he was really having trouble keeping up with it. Well, that's not what his job is going to be when, once the season starts. You it's know, like once, you'd be- once- You've been watching me uh, keep a trading in Regent's Park, Mike, and then see me on game day. There's a very similar, similar parallel. Hey, listen, um, that answers your question, Lee. He, he wrote in about, um, uh, about Trey Lance. And uh, uh, as you suggested, Mike, a lot of buzz. James Jones was one of them, I think, who, who suggested uh, the former Packer that uh, his quote uh, compared Trey Lance to Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in the same sentence, which is, he's obviously <laughs> which is that's, that's, that's high praise, you know, and, you know, go back and watch the tape of that, that undefeated season, you know, for the bison and, and he looks fantastic, but, mm. but then, you know, but it's the FCS Different and, level, yeah, right. and it's a big, it's a big jump. And it was, his, it was his only season. It was, his, he was a freshman. It was his only season. All right, we've got to get out of dodging a mo. So I'm going to rapid fire the last couple to you, Iron Mike. Okay, okay. you set. Uh, Jamie asks, which team that didn't make the playoffs has the best chance to make them this year? Saints. Hey, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. Uh, Jamie said Ravens, incidentally, which I thought was quite a shrewd. Show. Ravens um, is a good is a good one. Yeah. It's going to be. A, they're, they're a tougher division, but yeah. Mm, Fins, baby. Fins all the way on that one. Uh, James, another Brady Super Bowl this year. What can the Bucks hope to achieve this season? They're going to be without Gronk, of course, and also without Ndamukong Sue, who's off, it seems. And as you see his quote, the Raiders could be fun, says Sue. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> I remember when he was here in London. That That's was right. fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think the Bucks have got to be contenders. You know, in, in the NFC, someone's always going to come along. But, you know, right now you're talking, you're talking talking Packers, you're talking Rams, you're talking Bucks, and, you know, someone else will will come along. But but basically, you know, you have to look at those three teams as probably being, you know, at least one of them and probably two in the in the um, conference championship. Uh, last question from uh, a Nat in London. Nat wants to know, hi, Iron Mike, <laughs> what have you been watching recently? And the reason I'm asking you this, uh, because I've been catching up on Bosch Legacy, which I'm guessing you might beat. Bosch Legacy is good. Yeah, it is good, good. isn't it? I, I'm three episodes in and, and I like the fact it is quite obviously a lower production, uh, it seems budget wise, but I think that enhances it. I think it's always been a show that's 
been allowed to breathe. But I think the new format just allows character development to another level. I'm liking that. I'm enjoying yeah, Bosch. It's a little bit hokey when they keep bringing people in that, you know, from from the Bosch series. Um, oh, maybe I haven't got to that bit yet because I've yeah. just seen the main protagonist. Well, the um, uh, Crate and Barrel make an appearance. Oh, do they? Yeah. For example, yeah. Amazing. Okay, but it, but it's good. Um, and, and I'm not convinced by Maddie as a cop either, but but that's that's neither here nor there. I've watched the Lincoln Lawyer. Series. Oh, yeah. I started it because the film's great, obviously. It's, well, it, it's nothing is, like the film. They've right. changed it quite a bit. And in fact, the Lincoln Lawyer doesn't seem to do any lawyering from his Lincoln. Mm. Um, but but it, it sticks it sticks to the plot, if not the characters involved. You know, th- this guy is younger and he's a he's um, a Mexican-American. Um, and uh, of course, there's no mention of Bosch outright because they don't own the rights to that. Um, ah, yeah, yeah, of course. Which is, which is the, the problem uh, with that. I watched the fourth so season. Know is, Bosch, is he Bosch's um, brother-in-law? Half-brother. Half-brother, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, the um, I watched the um, fourth season of Borgen, mm. which is very good. Um, Boy, you've been a fan. It's still holding. Power and Glory. Uh, yeah, it's been quite some time. I never saw the third season. I didn't realize that until that popped up on BBC. And I was literally going in to do um, to talk to Adam Prisa, the creator of the show, um, on World Service Weekend, and then was told that. You know, this was set in Greenland. I said, no, it's not. I'm watching it. Oh, no, that that was back in 2013. You must have missed it somehow. I understand how I missed it. I was busy at that point. But but um, it's it is really good. And it's very especially in the middle of it. It's very King Lear ish mm. um, as she has lots of tough decisions to make. And and as I said, it's set in Greenland. Um, they discover oil and, and that becomes an issue between Denmark and Greenland because then. Denmark still controls Greenland's autonomous, but still mm. uh, governed by Denmark, which also I had seen a similar plot, although this one's more of a thriller than a political drama called Thin Ice, which was a Swedish Danish show set in Greenland where they discover <laughs> oil and it becomes an international thriller. Um, Lena Endre, the uh, Swedish actress, plays the lead character, but it's it's really a good cop drama sort of um and and um i watched shooter because i liked the book the the bob lee swagger books and i liked the movie with mark Wahlberg. i thought oh yes that's right yeah yeah. it was very well done this has ryan philippe playing mark Mm -hmm. Wahlberg, playing playing jim bob lee swagger um it's changed a bit they keep kind of key moments in but they've changed a lot of the characters around it was less effective um but good enough so that I've started watching the second series and one. Oh, they've got a few of them. Okay. Everybody is um, crashing Mercedes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, is that what CIA agents drive? <laughs> Mercedes. Um, Have you seen hacks? Hacks is my recommendation. No, but I've had that oh, recommended to me by, by somebody else. Terrific. Gene well. so, yeah. Smart plays Deborah Vance, 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 uh, who is a Joan Rivers type. So comic uh, has been around three, four decades uh, in a residency in Vegas, effectively resting on her laurels, feels very outmoded. And it's an old couple kind of set up where she gets, for all kinds of different reasons, partnered up with a young hipster gunslinging writer who they share the same agent who takes the gig punching up gags for her reluctantly because of an inappropriate tweet the young writers put out that's kiboshed her career, short-circuited it for the time being. Uh, And that's the the start of the premise. So the young writer heads out to Vegas uh, and uh, 
Deborah, uh, uh, Gene Smart, Deborah Vance. Gene Smart is just brilliant. In it. I mean, they're all good. The cast is all good. She's terrific. So that would be and my that, recommendation. Hacks. Hacks oh, that's great. very, I just started watching The Chestnut Man, which is a Danish, I, I read the book and reviewed the book. Um, and uh, it's a gore, it's a kind of grim thriller. Um, but I like the first episode because the casting is, is good. Um, and um, the guy who plays the, Danish ambassador to the Arctic in in Borgen is the detective who shows. I love Scandi ones. They're good. Same, you, same you have such directors. a small yeah, aisle of actors, <laughs> and they're all they're so talented in that small world. You know, there's so the many good ones are rolling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah, keep yeah. Com- they keep they coming, keep coming back. back. Um, yeah, I love that. And and so that makes it that makes it worthwhile. And, and speaking uh, of the good ones coming back, I Mike will be back soon, gang. At, I, at- I saw I saw you that there was a the question about my shirts. Oh Some, yes, somebody wanting my shirts back, a, and I said, uh, "Well, yeah, go on." In order to do that, you got to get me back <laughs> to a camera. Well, you are on camera now, so pushing that. Yes, there was uh, there was love for your shirts. What can we see? Uh, 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 a reference, of course, to your Hawaiian shirts in particular that you're wearing. Yeah. Your Three Stooges one. Well, I think you're going to be rolling with us in the season. We're going to be filming the shows, pushing them out on social. We so, at the very yeah. least, you could drop by Hawaii. I mean, the yeah, weather's very, I mean, you know, I did, I did, I clean up pretty well. You know, you never scrub up for this show, I Mike. Um, I well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, a Three Stooges. T-shirt with six pictures of Curly on it is uh, is pretty high class. That's you, that, that, in Iron Mike's world, get. it's really high class. <laughs> so take it with the shades on as well. Uh, at uh, Carlson Sports, how you follow the big man on Twitter, uh, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE for all his stylings and profilings. Good to see you, bud. Look after yourself. Always, always a pleasure. Hey, and stylings and profilings, Gronk to pro wrestling. Well, that's why I said, I know this is proof that Mike just never listens to, to anything. I said earlier on, WWE or broadcasting? And you just I said broadcasting, but, that, you know, I let that go. I'm, okay. I'm getting hard of hearing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Look after yourself, bro. You can cut, you can cut that if you want. No, no, we're keeping what? that. We're keeping that. <laughs> He's back. He's great as ever, and he will be back on the show in due course. You can guarantee that because, of course, I'm Mike, part of the all-pro lineup here on the NC Show. Speaking of which, if you haven't listened to it already, Greg Rosenthal in the vault. That's from about a week ago. Most recent episode before this one. So go check that out. I want to give a big shout out to our friends at DraftKings and tease the fact we got a brand new fantasy show coming your way Head of the new season, we're set. We're going to get your fantasy game on. Ollie and I will be checking in soon with some more Edge Rush. Some exciting developments with that show as well. Ben and College Days, of course. Sure, we'll check in with J-Bell, OC, and many of your other favorites very, very soon. So keep it here with us on the NC Show. You can follow us on the social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know the drill by now. And all of you who have subscribed to us, whatever platform you're listening to us on, we really appreciate that, particularly those crew that have given us a big up over on the respective channels. I know you can leave a, a star review on Spotify and we appreciate 4.9 uh, on Spotify, 4.9 out of 5. We'll take that. Whoever, I mean, what does that mean? Did someone give us a three star? And that took us down, or even a four star. Maybe someone, maybe they pressed the wrong button. 
that could have been what it was. I mean, we've all done that, right? Maybe they meant to click five. I want to give a shout out on iTunes. Liz Kelly never misses a show. She says credit to all the team, even to Propo, Liz. Yeah, of course to Propo. He's the brains of the operation. Rapping Forte, love the handle. Great show. Best insight into NFL. Great hosts and guests, if we say so ourselves. Well, we don't because Rapping Forte said that as well. Uh, and here's one from CK. Uh, first listen, ah, new listener. Big shout out to all our new listeners. As expected, uh, I'm not going to read this out. It's going to be so <laughs> ridiculous bigging myself up. But he does love the American accent cropping up from time to time. I'm working on it, CK. I'm working on that accent and I will keep dropping it from time to time. All of you, big shout out. Uh, really appreciate it uh, for taking time out of your day to do that. Many thanks. We're back next week with more. See you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.